Welcome to On the Middle East, the podcast of the award-winning media service, El Monitor, where each week we talk with the decision makers and thought leaders who are making the news and shaping the trends in the Middle East. I'm Andrew Parasoliti, president of El Monitor, and this week we'll be talking with His Excellency Sheikh Abdullah bin Rashid Al Khalifa, Bahrain's ambassador to the United States. Ambassador El Khalifa and I will talk about what a change of U.S. administrations might mean for Bahrain and the Gulf, the benefits of and prospects for continued normalization between Israel and the Arab states, how a tradition of interfaith dialogue informed Bahrain's decisions to normalize with Israel, and how to deal with the threat and challenge of Iran. My conversation with Ambassador Abdullah Al Khalifa begins after this short break. The establishment of relations with Israel does not undermine our commitment to the two-state solution with East Jerusalem as the capital of the Palestinian state. And like I have stated many times, interaction as opposed to exclusion will help get us closer to the realization of that goal by incentivizing the unity first of Palestinians within their own leadership and for them to engage with serious negotiations with the Israelis. We support all multilateral frameworks that serve non-proliferation objectives as well as arms exports controls. I think that we must do this for the people of Iran as much as ourselves and our children in order to give the future that they deserve to them. That was Sheikh Abdullah Al Khalifa, Bahrain's ambassador to the United States, who will be joining us shortly. But first, a few comments on what last week's U.S. presidential election might mean for U.S. relations in the Gulf. Now, the Trump administration has proved a worthy partner for the Gulf states, and the normalization agreements between Israel and the UAE, Bahrain, and now Sudan have reset the strategic table in the region. The UAE, Saudi Arabia, and Bahrain, as well as Israel, also had no problem with the Trump administration's hardline maximum pressure campaign and sanctions on Iran, as well as the U.S. stepping back from the Iran nuclear deal in 2018. Now, for a Biden administration, my take is that the U.S. will approach Iran from the outside in, at least initially, not head-on, reestablishing the consensus with the United Kingdom, France, and Germany, our European partners on the Iran nuclear deal, as Ryan Crocker advised in a podcast last month, Finding some common ground with Russia and China, they're also signatories to the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, as the Iran nuclear deal is known officially. And by the way, that common ground with Russia and China will be no easy task. And also staying close to our regional allies and partners, Israel and the Gulf and others, as the administration works towards a new consensus on an Iran deal. Now, Biden has said he's ready to re-enter the JCPOA if Iran is in compliance, would like to work toward an even better deal. But Iran rejects that, and Iran also wants an apology and compensation for the costs of the sanctions on its economy over the last two years under the Trump administration sanctions. And Biden's not ready to offer compensation or an apology. 
So the regional consensus matters and I think matters more than ever in dealing with Iran, given the new strategic reality. And Biden will be putting diplomacy first. Now, the normalization agreements may also be prelude to a new round of international diplomacy on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, as there seems to be some traction at the UN and in the Security Council for Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas's call for a conference next year. Now, we'll get into these issues with our guest today, His Excellency Sheikh Abdullah bin Rashid al-Khalifa, Bahrain's ambassador to the United States. Now, Sheikh Abdullah obtained his bachelor's and MBA degrees from Bentley University in Waltham, Massachusetts, and he's working on a PhD at the International School of Management in Paris. He previously served as governor of Bahrain's Southern Governorate, the largest in the country. And while there, he established himself, among many accomplishments, as a leader in Bahrain and internationally in the design and implementation of community-based anti-drug and anti-addiction programs. In 2019, he received the prestigious Stevie Award in the Personality of the Year category for his role in the founding and development of the Together program against violence and addiction. My conversation with His Excellency Sheikh Abdullah El Khalifa, the Kingdom of Bahrain's ambassador to the United States, begins now. Ambassador Al Khalifa, welcome to On the Middle East. Andrew, thank you for having me on your show. Pleasure to have you. Let's get right into it. The U.S. just had an election. Former Vice President and Senator Joe Biden is no stranger to the Middle East and to the Gulf. The U.S.-Bahrain relationship is, of course, rock solid with the U.S. CENTCOM naval base there hosting the U.S. Fifth Fleet. What is the perspective in Bahrain and the Gulf about an incoming Biden administration? Well, let me start out by saying that for over a century, Andrew Bahrain has forged its relationship with the United States to become one of the strongest outside the region. It has started on a people-to-people level since 1893, when missionaries built the first hospital, church, and a school. All three of them do exist to this day. On a political level, we are one of the few countries in the region to have an active defense cooperation agreement and a free trade agreement. We've played host of the U.S. Navy's Fifth Fleet and taken part in every major U.S.-led mission in the region. We have been designated major non-NATO ally many years ago. And so we see the United States as one nation that has and will continue to be an ally of ours for many years to come. One of the most significant shifts in the region has been Israel's normalization agreements with Bahrain, the UAE, and now Sudan, and something that President-elect Biden has said he supports as well, so that trend will likely continue. What do you see as the long-term economic benefits to Bahrain and to the region from normalization with Israel? Well, it is our belief in Bahrain that the establishment of diplomatic ties with the state of Israel constitutes a, a step towards forging a new path of regional and international cooperation assisting us in finding solutions to tensions throughout the region. Now, one of the many things that I have 
learned from His Majesty the King is that dialogue, rather than perpetual conflict, is one of the paths that will guarantee the future prosperity and well-being of our younger generation. And you know what, and if, if we were to ask an opposite question and, and, and say, what if this step was not taken by those nations? Well, other than the fact that we never would have known what might have resulted from an Israeli decision to annex, simply put, the region's true potential would not have been unlocked. Our signing of the Abraham's Accords is mainly driven by the desire and the commitment to achieve security, stability, and lasting peace in the Middle East through cooperation and, and dialogue to develop friendly relations among nations in order to collaboratively fight and seek an end to radicalization and terrorism. And just on a human level, Andrew, as, as we all know, uh, friendly relations can also bring in prosperity for the citizens of these nations through beneficial bilateral or multilateral cooperations in investment, trade, security, uh, culture, education, and you name it. Uh, let me add this final point, though. There are many potential sectors taken into consideration for possible cooperation. Just two weeks ago, during a visit by U.S. and Israeli delegations, we have already signed a joint communique and seven different MOUs on economic and trade cooperation, air services, agriculture, uh, telecommunications, and postal services, uh, visas, financial services, uh, cooperation between the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, and cooperation between the Chambers of Commerce. There are also ongoing working group discussions on healthcare, port services, uh, sports, and culture. And what I'm about to break to you today is that we are also expecting a delegation visit by top Bahraini officials to Israel in the coming days. Now, you have stated, uh, or I should say Bahrain has stated, that normalization is consistent with its long-standing position on the Palestinian issue. And that's something your foreign minister, Mr. Zahiani, mentioned in his remarks at the signing ceremony last month. How do you see the agreements advancing that issue? Yeah, I think we've, uh, we've made it very clear that uh, the establishment of relations with Israel does not undermine our commitment to the two-state solution with East Jerusalem as a capital of the Palestinian state. And like I have stated many times, interaction as opposed to exclusion will help get us closer to the realization of that goal by incentivizing the unity first of the Palestinians within their own leadership and for them to engage with serious negotiations with the Israelis. Now, for a very long time, we did not want to get in the way of the Palestinian people choosing the way in which they would like to formulate that resolution with the Israelis. With the changing dynamics in the region, we do believe today that peace has better chances of being achieved by, by extending the Arab hand to the Israelis to serve as an incentive again and play a supportive role to the Palestinian people to reaching a lasting solution with the Israelis. 
a united Arab front was maintained for decades, but let's be honest, Arab, the initiatives have not moved the needle. And today, there has been a change in mindset and thinking in the whole region. Those many initiatives in the past that attempted to solve the Palestinian issue all produced a stagnant effect. So let's, let's try to be positive. Let's look at this with hope and with the shifting mindset. We, we hope that it will propagate a better outcome for the region. There's also the issue of regional security in the Gulf. Bahrain is on the front lines of dealing with Iran. How do you see the, the threat from Iran? How is the best way to deal with Iran? And do you see the normalization agreements as facilitating uh, Gulf security and regional security with regard to the Iranian threat and challenge mm -hmm. to the region? Well, in, in an ideal world, the relationship we would like to have with Iran would be based on the principles of good neighborliness and non-interference in our affairs. Unfortunately, the Iranian regime's intent on spreading its malign influence across the region has included Bahrain for four decades. While it is our sincere hope that Iran will change its behavior and abandon its hegemonic ambitions and use of its proxies to breed dissent and instability in Bahrain and some of the neighboring countries, we cannot afford to stand idle and anticipate that the leopard will change its spots. We will continue to be vigilant and alter what we need to do in order to push back on any threats posed to Bahrain by Iranian proxy groups. Our security forces have foiled a number of terrorist efforts to undermine our uh, society uh, we also have showed a huge commitment in our support of international efforts aimed at containing any destabilizing activities in the region, such as the housing of the International Maritime Security Construct and Operation Sentinel to preserve the Gulf's maritime security. We support all multilateral frameworks that serve non-proliferation objectives as well as arms exports controls. I think that we must do this for the people of Iran as much as ourselves and our children in order to give the future that they deserve to them. Bahrain has long been committed to interfaith bridge building. Uh, tell us a little about that commitment and tradition and how it fits into the normalization agreements we've been discussing. I think that uh, His Majesty the King has worked for many decades to bring us to where we are today. Uh, the decision to join the Abrahams Accords was based on a lot of work that was done over the past two decades. When we look at religious tolerance and peaceful coexistence within Bahrain, we see it enshrined within our 2002 constitution. And we have, because of the uh, social fabric of Bahrain, uh, we have seen representation from different faiths and backgrounds in our Congress. Uh, we have seen uh, the peaceful, uh, the ability for peaceful worship within Bahrain. 
Um, and we have seen those uh, religious institutions that were built hundreds of years ago still exist today. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, last night there was a, a lighting ceremony in a synagogue in Bahrain. Uh, and I joined via Zoom, but um, it's 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 the only synagogue in Arabia. Uh, we have next to it a 200-year-old Hindu temple. We have churches uh, that are in Bahrain for different denominations, and we really believe that uh, through peaceful coexistence, the country can move forward. Um, Yes, Bahrain has a small geographic location, but uh, the people of Bahrain have a very big heart. And for many years, we've been able to accept one another uh, and embrace our differences. Uh, and His Majesty uh, has always made it a cornerstone of who we are as Bahrainis. And so with the launch of what we call the Bahrain Declaration in 2017, and the establishment of the King Hamad Global Center for Peaceful Coexistence, and the uh, organization of a multitude of conferences in Bahrain, uh, Peace to Prosperity being one of them. Uh, Bahrain has made it a fact to the world that this is who we are, uh, this is what we're trying to do, not only in Bahrain, but we're trying to make it easier for other communities that do have issues within uh, the different components of the society uh, to work as a successful model. And uh, through the center, we will be able to assist in any way possible. Ambassador, we had some good news yesterday, some potentially very good news, I should say, about uh, a COVID vaccine. Uh, the whole world has been challenged by this uh, pandemic. Uh, are you optimistic with that news about uh, 2021? Uh, the year next year is just around the corner. And uh, how do you see the region over the coming, the next 12 months? Well, Andrew, I think you, I'm the, the wrong person to answer the question because I'm always optimistic. Um, but uh, COVID was, uh, was really challenging. Uh, it challenged governments uh, across the globe. And uh, I think since day one uh, in Bahrain, we dealt with it with uh, sincerity. We dealt with it with transparency, but also with optimism. Um, we tried to build out our healthcare system very quickly to accommodate the numbers. We have uh, successfully uh, through the leadership of His Royal Highness the Crown Prince, been able to um, mitigate the risks uh, while also balancing uh, the, the, the economic aspects of uh, everyday life. And so uh, I'm very happy to, uh, to say that we have maintained a mortality rate of less than 0.3% the uh, recovery rate has reached 95%. And so I think through proper public awareness, through a lot of the uh, checks and balances that were um, put in place, through a very strong stimulus package that was provided by the government, 
to make sure that we can maintain the quality of life for individuals. Uh, we were able to overcome a lot of obstacles. Now, Bahrain has signed up for a phase three vaccine, and we have uh, over 6,000 people that have taken that vaccine, uh, and we've seen uh, positive results out of that. With the news that came out yesterday, I think that uh, we're even more uh, looking forward to going back to uh, normal, although I think that we will be going back to a new sort of normal uh, in the coming months ahead. Ambassador Al-Khalifa, thank you for your time and for a great conversation today on, on the Middle East. It's always a pleasure, Andrew. Thank you for having me. We will be right back with a few takeaways from my conversation with Ambassador Al-Khalifa after this short break. I'm Ben Kaspit, Al-Monitor veteran columnist reporting from Israel, one of the world's major news and action suppliers of all times, comparing to its tiny size. I've been covering and analyzing the political, diplomatic, and military arenas in Israel for over 34 years. My best-selling biography, The Netanyahu Years, was out two years ago. I covered seven prime ministers, one major war, two intifadas, one prime minister's assassination, two and a half peace treaties, four military operations in Gaza, and it's not letting up anytime soon. I am glad to invite you to On Israel, our brand new podcast, where we will discuss major events in Israel and its surroundings, talk to decision makers, leaders and analysts, and try to understand the chaos that comes with the territory of Israel and the Middle East. You will never have a dull moment with us. See you soon here on Israel Al Monitor. Welcome back. A few takeaways from our conversation just now with Ambassador Abdullah Al Khalifa. First, the ambassador made clear that U.S. Bahrain relations are not subject to the shifts of U.S. administrations. They are rooted in a long-standing and deep U.S. Bahrain security relationship, anchored by the U.S. Fifth Fleet, which is based in Bahrain. Second. Bahrain's commitment to normalization has not undermined its commitment to a two-state solution for the Palestinians. I would expect any trend toward a regional peace effort next year to have the support of Bahrain. Third, Bahrain is committed to, quote, all multilateral frameworks dealing with non-proliferation with regard to Iran, according to the ambassador, and I read that as a signal that Bahrain will be a full partner in however a Biden administration proceeds with regard to an Iran nuclear deal. Fourth, Ambassador El Khalifa emphasized the centrality of interfaith dialogue in explaining the how and why of Bahrain's approach to normalization with Israel. Thank you all for listening to On the Middle East, and thanks to our production team of Phil Colabro of El Monitor and Beowulf Roshlin of Two Square Media Productions. We will be back next week, and in the meantime, please sign up for this and our other El Monitor podcast, On Israel, at your favorite podcast platform.